0: For me today, I'm I've been struggling with a headache. I'm getting there though. This morning we want to continue on what we were discussing and talking about over the last few weeks. The word that the Lord spoke to me in my prayer time saying, I am your sustenance. And I told you a couple weeks ago that I looked it up and found out two things. One, I was a bad speller. Two, that God is our source for all things, our source, our strength who we can lean on and believe upon. We talked about His sustenance for our spiritual well-being, our salvation. We talked about His sustenance for our daily needs and what it is that we need on a regular basis. And uh, today we're going to talk about His sustenance for our our physical and emotional well-being. God is a healing God. Amen. Amen? Amen? Psalm 37.25 says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. We've never found, folks, what that's saying to us as you turn, please, in your Bibles to Exodus 15. What the psalmist is telling us there is, and we've discussed this over the last couple weeks, is there's never going to be a time, Paul says in Romans, that if you put your faith in Christ, that you'll never be put to shame. There's never going to be a time in your life when you will get old, older, elderly, however you want to say it, and look back and say, you know, I put my faith in Christ, and at the end here, you know, it just really wasn't worth it. It didn't pay off. There are times and there may be times and moments in our lives where we feel like things aren't going our way, where things are difficult, where things are hard, and we say, what's going on? God, where are you right now? But child of God, if you will just hold on a little bit longer, there's going to be a time where you're going to be able to stop and look back and say, you know what? He didn't forsake me. He doesn't forsake you. When he says he's never going to leave you or forsake you, he's not going to leave you Or forsake you. Doesn't matter how it feels. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter how impossible the situation may seem. From the natural, God is going to be your sustenance. Spiritually, for your daily needs, He's going to meet your needs. And I can promise you, take it from a chubby, balding preacher, that He is not going to turn His back on you. Exodus chapter 15, we're going to see that God is our healer. And we're going to reference a passage of Scripture that we talked about last week when we discussed how God does provide our daily needs. He uses, I use this passage. Let's look at it. Exodus 15, verse 23. When they came to Merah, they could not drink its water because it was, it was bitter. That is why the place is called Merah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. This morning I want us to capture what's being said here in this passage of Scripture. We see where the children of Israel have been delivered. We see where they had been in Egyptian bondage for a lot of years, 400 years. We see where God miraculously delivered them. We see where the Egyptians were plagued with multiple plagues. Any of you watch the Ten Commandments on TV every Easter? Huh? It's a great old movie, man. We know what happened there, and we know that God delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage miraculously, drawing out the Egyptian army as they pursued, and Pharaoh did not repent of his heart and continued to pursue, and God protected them. We discussed How God put himself between Israel and the Egyptians and protected, and then drawed Egypt into the Red Sea and destroyed them there. Pretty miraculous experience. And what happens next is, is they get out there and there's no water to drink, and there's water there, but it's bitter, and there's, what are we supposed to do? And they begin to have a grumbling. I don't know if you know this, but Christians can grumble sometimes. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) I've I've done it too. We all grumble sometimes. They came to a place of grumbling and and frustration. And and here's where God steps in. And he says something that's really, really cool. And, And up to this point, God has never said these words about himself in the Bible, even though he had lived these words out. And he says, I am the God that heals you. I'm the God that heals you. He hadn't referred to himself as the healing God, but we know up to this point he has done it. We know that when, when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they should have been wiped out, man. They sinned, they deserved death, and death would come. But God, as we talked about last week, covered their sin, and then He covered their bodies with clothes. And we know that the provision was made for those things, but He did not destroy them. God, from the very beginning, saw mankind in their fallen flesh with compassion and has always desired to be the God that heals them. If He wasn't the God that heals them in the Garden of Eden, He'd have been the God that kills them. Amen? (laughs) Because He could have. I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? He could have done it. And He could have been innocent. And it could have been okay. But He didn't want to be the God of anger, destruction. He wants to be the God that heals. And so He takes them and He covers them and wraps them My headache's gone for some reason. He wraps them. I'm serious. I just realized this. He wraps them in in these clothes, and these animal skins. He wraps them up. And then he gives them a promise. And he said there's going to be a seed that comes from her that's going to crush the serpent's head. Am I in the book? God had a plan from the beginning to show himself as the God that heals you. From the very beginning, there was a plan of a Messiah that was coming. And even throughout the Old Testament passages of Scripture, there are multiple places where God does the miraculous and heals. I even think of, of Abraham where he's standing there before Abimelech, who he lies about his wife. Abraham lies and, and, and lies about his wife because he wants to protect his own life. We've all been there, haven't we, guys? He lies. And Abimelech takes Sarah and he says, whoa, God comes to him in a dream and says, don't have anything to do with her. That's, some, that's Abraham's wife. So he goes back to Abraham and says, what did you do that for? He says, I was afraid. But ultimately, what leads down to that passage, look it up sometime. Abraham prayed for him, prayed for Abimelech, and God healed Abimelech and his wives and his slave girls, healed them so that they could bear children again. Because they hadn't bore children because of other things. My point is this. God is a God that heals. And he brought Israel to this place. This place of bitter water. Just simply to say, you're worried about some water. I'm the God that sustains you. I'm the God that's your sustenance. You are going to be sustained by me. And he's letting them know that there's more going on here than just bad water. What's going on is, is the first time they come to some bad water is they get mad at who? They're going off at Moses, but I'm going to defend Moses a little bit, just like God defended Samuel and said, it's not you that they're mad at, it's me. God said, hey guys, I want to fix you. Listen, how many of you know that 400 years of bondage might create an emotional scar? It might cause somebody to go... Was God really faithful for 400 years? Did God seem faithful? You know what, God? There was a time for 400 years that we had to be in slavery and we had to deal with some bad stuff. I, okay, you showed up and you delivered us. But you're delivering us out here to die. I'm just going to stop there for a second. Do you all ever find yourself at a place where doesn't matter how many great things God has done in your life that you find yourself at a spot where things get really difficult and you say, Lord, what'd you do? Lead me here to die? Are you just giving up? God, everything's falling apart. I thought you told me to do this. I've been there once or twice or 20 times in my life. And, and what I have to do is, is exactly what God's telling them right here. Would you look back? Look back. I, I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God that's going to fix this wound inside of you. I was involved with you for those 400 years, even though you were ignorant of me at times. I, I am the God who heals you. I want to fix you. I got you out of Egypt, now I want to get Egypt out of you. I, I got you out of there, but, and, and I realize there's a strain on the relationship. I want to fix it. I want to heal. You. You see, because so many times I look back over my life and I see where God's brought me through the Red Sea of salvation. He's delivered me from my bondages and those that held chains on my life. And then he gets me through those things, and then suddenly I come into a wilderness as a new Christian, and I think, God, I thought everything was supposed to be perfect. What are you doing, leading me out here to destroy me? And God says, Bob, look back on your life a little bit. I didn't lead you out here to destroy you. I led you out here to heal you. Folks, the greatest thing that we have to learn about our God is that He's the God that heals us. That He wants to lead us from where we are. Yeah, you may have to go through some junk, but His purpose and His plan is, is to make you right with Him and to make your life look like Him. And God has a plan, folks, not just for us spiritually speaking, not just for us on a daily sustenance for our daily needs, but also for our emotional and our physical health as well. He's got a plan for it. Pastor Bob's going to go all psychologists on us this morning. (laughs) Uh, Probably closer to psycho, but uh, psychologists... I don't even know where I'm at in my notes right now. You know the cool thing about God saying he's a God that heals? And uh, you know people, obviously, when we start talking about God healing, we always look in the New Testament and we see the work that Jesus did Uh, But something that I came across here a while back that was really cool is in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. Yeah, I said Leviticus. (laughs) Everybody's like, Leviticus? There's something cool in Leviticus? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Chapters 13 and 14 in Leviticus where where God's talking about uh, some of the newer versions just call it skin disease. Uh, Other versions say leprosy. And and what it's saying is is here's the plan, and it's two chapters. I just love how exhaustive it is. And if this, and if this and, this, and this, this, and it goes through all this stuff. But basically, what it's saying, I'll give you the short and condensed Bob Fairchild version. Okay, basically, it's given a provision for when everybody say when, when someone is healed from leprosy, when someone is healed from leprosy. Now let's step back for a moment and say, wait a second, leprosy back in the day wasn't curable. When you got leprosy, it was over. It took you from your home. It took you from your family. You lived in a commune outside of the city. You couldn't touch people. And you had to let them know, I'm a leper, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. It messed your life up. It was over. All the good stuff, everything that was planned out for you and everything you desired to do, you can pretty much wipe it out. It was gone. No hugs from the kids. No hugs from family members. No human touch anymore. He's just gone. Talk about coming to some bitter water. But yet in the book of Leviticus, it says for a person who is healed from leprosy, here's what you should do. You come before the priest and it has all the things you have to go show yourself to the priest. And I have to look back, look back at that and I go, wow, God was a healer. How would it have been to be a leper and to know the law and say, I can be healed of this? I know they say it's impossible. I know they say that this is my death. I know that this is going to cut off my limbs. And I know it's going to take away my fingers and and my my appendages, my toes, and possibly my arms and hands. I realize what it can do, but God said it can be healed. Now, I don't know how it's going to be healed. I don't know when it's going to be healed. But I know that if God says it can be healed, it will be healed. And I can go show myself to the priest and I can be declared clean. How many different diseases are there today in our culture that are called incurable? Every Wednesday, we have a prayer list we go through, and and there are so many different types of cancers on that list. It sickens me. People we know and we love dearly, that when they hear the word cancer, their knees buckle. Precious lady we're praying for right now, I, I, I saw her in CVS the other day, and she, she didn't have the energy or strength to do anything else. And she just turned and she said, I can't stay. Thank you for your prayers and gave me a hug and walked off. Folks, listen, when people hear the word, God can heal it. Amen. God has healed it. God has done it. He's able to do it. And I look in Matthew chapter 8 And I see verses 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountainside, speaking of Jesus, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He shouldn't have, but he did. Touch the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What kind of a testimony was going to be given that day? I'll tell you what kind of a testimony. A testimony of that God is a healing God and he's a faithful God. And now not only is a he healing God or a faithful God, that guy touched me and I'm better. He really is the Messiah. He really is Emmanuel with us, just like it was prophesied. Doesn't it make sense, though? Jesus said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And God said, I'm the God that heals you. I'm going to ask you a question. This leprous man that was healed, do you think that it had, uh, he had some emotional scars along that needed to be tended to and touched? Do you think they were? Do you think his family now suddenly had a joy about them that they didn't have before? Jesus, when you see me, you've seen the Father. And what is it that Jesus did? Well, he met needs. He, 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 he touched lives, changed lives. He opened blinded eyes. I can't help but think of Lazarus who's lain four days in the grave. It's over. It's done. He's dead. Surely, surely by now he stinketh. Sometimes I think about kids like that. Surely by now they stinketh, like after soccer practice or. uh, But anyway, football practice, oh, football practice, you do surely by now they stinketh. I know I stunk coming out of football practice. One kid we walked behind the line, he smelled horrible. We made him walk in the back. It's like, dude, you gotta get to the back. Why? I said, dude, you're bad. This is really bad. Lazarus was laying in the grave, surely by now he stinks. And, and, and yet Jesus comes up, and here's Mary and Martha who are both crying and upset about their brother. Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus met the physical need of Lazarus, and he met the emotional needs of the family. I can't help but think of Jairus and his daughter, and he comes to Jesus and says, Please come heal my daughter, and, and, uh, and on the way there they get interrupted. By the time that situation's over with, they said, you know what, forget it, it's too late. Isn't it amazing that our faith only goes so far? Jesus is able to heal our daughter who's deathly ill, but he can't raise her from the dead. Don't bother the master anymore, it's over with. And he said, oh, she's just asleep. And what they do, they laughed at him. They mocked him. You see, we have a tendency to become like those in the wilderness when we come to bitter water, we mock and say he can't. What Jesus is saying is that she's only asleep. In other words, my power and my strength is strong enough that it's as easy as just simply waking her up from, from a sleep as it is to raise her from the dead. Child, get up. She got up the woman he was interrupted by was the lady that had the issue of blood on the way to that house and she she here she was living her life with 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 uh, an open sore so to speak and bleeding consistently and she had spent every dime she had on doctors she had given everything up that she had here again is another woman similar to a leper that couldn't be touched her family would be considered unclean everywhere she sat was unclean. Everywhere she touched was unclean. This lady fought her way through a crowd and just by touching the hem of his garment, Jesus felt power go out of his clothes. Out of his clothes. And heal this woman. Now you tell me if the physical and the emotional needs weren't met. The emotional needs of her family, the emotional need of of her own life and her own body, physical need being met. And then you look at Jerry's daughter. You tell me that the needs of that family weren't met all the way across the board. There weren't mourners in the room anymore. You say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Don't you ever leave out the X factor. Don't you ever leave out what God can do. Because He's the God that heals He's not the God that leads out and destroys. He's not the God that delivers us into wickedness. He's not the God that leads us into more trouble. He has done so much. John says that even if if, if there was so much more that had been done, if all of them would be recorded, there wouldn't be room for all the books. And that's in Jesus' three years of ministry. Folks, our God is a God that heals Just like our spiritual provision and our daily provisions are connected to our faith in Christ, so is our physical provision in Him as well, and it is available today. Isaiah chapter 53, now I know we know this very, very well, but I want to point out both our emotional health and healing and our physical health and healing. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace. Now, this isn't some kind of a weird, sadistic thing where we get pleasure of thinking that, well, somebody else took a beating for me. You know, that's not what that is. Although when you're a little kid, that's not a bad thing. Watch the... <laughs> Anyway, I won't go there. Peace. What this is saying is, is that you and I were guilty before God, and you and I deserved what Jesus got, but because he took it for us, you and I can have peace. Listen, people that are guilty don't have peace. People, according to the book of Romans, who are lawbreakers, have every reason to be afraid of the authorities. Can I get an amen? We got a lot of that going on today, don't we? People think they can just do whatever they want to and nobody can arrest them or do anything. Whoa, what's happening? Folks, come on, man. When when we are lawbreakers and we no longer are afraid of the authorities, we got problems. But as it comes to our spiritual well-being, we recognize and know that I deserve what he got. Adam and Eve deserved what Jesus got. We all deserve it, but we didn't. And because we put our faith in Him and we recognize that that blood that we just sang about that was shed for us and, and took that sacrifice, God took as a worthy sacrifice for our sin, then you and I can walk away with peace. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no word to, reason to be fearful. Peace. Peace. It's a word that's used a lot. It's a word that trends more at times more than others. Peace, dude. You know what I'm saying? Peace, man. But nobody can ever find it. People say they want peace, but they don't want it. You know, if it's going to cost me something, that I don't know if I want it. A lot of people are walking around without peace when God has given it to them and they've not received it. The price has been paid. And if you have put your faith in Christ, He has placed His Spirit in you. And this is something that I do a lot. And number six, uh, the blessing that the priests were supposed to speak over people, the Lord bless you and keep you. See the sustenance, protection. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn His face towards you and give you... Peace. And God says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You know, today there's a whole lot more in us as believers, as, child of, as a child of God, than just the name being put on us. It's the spirit within us. And there is no reason for a Christian to walk around continually with wounds and having no peace. Amen. It's been taken, child of God. Quit beating yourself up. Let the past go. It's under the blood. It's been forgiven. Quit picking it all up and carrying it with you to punish yourself the rest of your life. That's not what God's called you to. He's he's offering forgiveness. He's offering peace. But I realize and I know and I understand that there are emotional things that will drag people down that will, will cause them to be paralyzed. It's as, it's as, it's as, as, as a hindering as a person might be in a wheelchair. Our emotional health can do some bad stuff to us, but I want you to know something God's here to heal you, He's here to speak the words, you're forgiven. He's here to speak the words of wisdom that's going to tell you how to pick up and go on and deal with that family situation. God is going to give you what is necessary to overcome. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. God doesn't want to just put His name on you. He wants to put His spirit within you. And if you have believed upon Him for salvation, He has done just that. You have everything you need to live at peace. See, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't see peace around me. I don't. There's there's so much trouble in the world. There's so many things going on. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, "I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world." And what Jesus is saying is is you're going to be just like those people that come through the Red Sea and they come to the Marah area and they had bitter water. There is going to be times where things are going to be bitter. You're going to have trouble in this world. Can I get an amen? Folks, we're living in the last days. It's going to get ugly before it's all over with. And I don't mean ugly. I mean ugly. You might as well have some peace in the midst of the storm. You know what kind of peace I want? I want the kind of peace that Jesus had when He was asleep in the boat and everybody else was freaking out. It's like... What are you doing? We're going to die. He said, "No, oh, no, the rocking motion is great." <laughs> I want the kind of peace that Jesus had so that when the waters bitter and the storms come up, he's not afraid. He can walk on top of the waves. Woo! <laughs> come on, Peter. Come on, this is fun. That's the kind of people, when stuff comes my way, I want to be joyful. I don't want it to control me. I want want to live and rule over it. That's what God's called us to, but yet there's the disciples. The disciples had forgotten what God had told them to do. They said, hey, Jesus said, why don't you get in the boat and go to the other side? Well, okay. If they would have looked at him as God and they would have looked at him as the Messiah, the storm wouldn't have bothered them because they know they're supposed to get to the other side. Two times, and both times, they said, why'd you doubt? Every time you come to bitter waters, you doubt. Stop it. I'm the God that heals you. I can take care of this. I I can raise the dead like waking up a little girl. I can handle this. You see, the problem is what God wants to heal in us is the emotional scars that assume that God has forgotten about us so many different times and we need to quit judging God for what happened in the past and take it as a cup to drink from my father to recognize the Lord wants me to go through some things for him and that he's doing a work in me and he's growing me and changing me and developing me into his likeness. I am not going to be forsaken and I'm not going to be forgotten by God. I need to quit worrying so much about this stuff. Things that are out of my control are in his control. Those wind and waves are out of my control, but they're not out of his. He got up and said, hey, stop it. (laughs) Folks, your emotional health and understanding of who God is is going to bring great healing in your life if if you seek him out and really believe he is who he is. He can change us. And it says that by his wounds, or other versions, by his stripes, we are healed. Everybody say, are. You bunch of pirates. We are healed. Right? Are. We are healed. (laughs) Métis. It's not something... I just spit everywhere. Sorry about that. It's not something that just is, is way off somewhere. Yes, there is a healing coming. The ultimate healing is, is when we get to leave behind this old body of flesh and get to get a, a new glorified body someday. That's the ultimate healing, folks. Listen, man, God, God doesn't desert us. There are times where, where the healing is going to come. Sometimes we have to go through a long life of, of suffering, 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 and struggling, suffering and struggling through things sometimes. But there's going to be a moment where we're laying on that hospital bed going, I'm getting ready to go home. I've seen it. It's the coolest thing to be a pastor and to go into a room with somebody that can't wait to go see Jesus. Dorothy Cotterll, man, I'll never forget it. Walking into that room, Pastor Mark and I walking in, and poor Dorothy, she just lay in there. she, she had no energy whatsoever. She could just barely move her mouth, and she would kind of make her corners of her mouth. she didn't have her teeth in, so it was kind of hard, but she kind of kind of turned to look at you. And there's her family standing around the bed holding hands, just singing songs about Jesus, singing songs. And, and she'd just sing some words here, there, get some words out, and then she'd smile. And, I, and I'm like, she's going home. She was pumped about it. I mean, she couldn't be like, yeah. I mean, she was kind of laying there still, but she was excited. Dorothy, who had dealt for so long with a walker and had been healed from cancer and multiple things that her and her husband had been through physically, those of you that knew them, man, they just went through the ringer. Dorothy's healed. And many, many others that we know and love that are there right now, healed in the presence of God. That's the healing. Amen? You are healed. It is coming. But, Our God is also the God that is able to heal now, too. How many of you in this room have experienced healing at God's hand before? Raise your hand. Look around. Look around at you. Those of you that haven't, don't feel like, oh, I'm a worthless bum. God's never healed me. Oh, give it time. You get sick. God will heal you. Amen. Don't be envious of the person that just went down that path. Well, I walked for 14 years with a straight leg, but God, you know, after 14 years, he fixed it. Drag your leg around 14 years and then be happy. God healed me. You know, I wish I wouldn't have prayed that. Listen, folks. God heals. He is in the healing business. He has always been in the healing business. And He will always be in the healing business. He wants to heal lives. He wants to touch. He wants to touch us spiritually. He wants to meet our daily needs. And He wants to meet our physical and emotional needs. He will do it. Don't ever, ever, ever leave out the X factor. You say, but Pastor Bob... I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and God has not healed me. How many times am I supposed to pray? And I will tell you, you pray till you have an answer. Seek Him until you get an answer. God, I, what's going on? I don't, I don't, I'm still dealing with this. Why? See, Paul did that. Paul had a, had a thorn in his flesh. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12, To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's one of those weird guys. Paul's one of those guys that says, okay, Lord, I want to know why you're not healing me from this or fixing this situation. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul says, okay, then I'll just rejoice in all of it. Have you ever met somebody that rejoices in their afflictions? Are they an inspiration to you? I know them, I know several that I step back every time I leave them. I'm like, what in the world? How is this person joyful? How is this person encouraging me? There have been times these these types of people like Paul, I go visit them in the nursing homes and hospitals and different places, and I grab their hand and I pray a prayer of faith, and they'll start praying for me. (coughs) Or they'll start encouraging me. And I leave. I'm like, this is backwards. (laughs) This is backwards, God. There's something wrong here. These people that have said and heard from God that this struggle is going to minister to other people and they accept it and they embrace it and go on and wow, it's powerful. That's what happened with Paul. He said two reasons. Paul said he he accepted God's prayer of of my grace is sufficient for you as no, I'm not going to heal you from this because it had had a couple of purposes. One, so that you would be humble. Paul who had seen so much and done so much for God, great revelations and uh, healing the sick and raising the dead, all this stuff, Paul was a pretty phenomenal guy. And and God said, I don't want you to think you're God. You need to stay humble. So I'm going to let you be afflicted a little bit. Was Paul afflicted a little bit? <laughs> he said, "Okay, I'm going to rejoice in it then, Lord." The other thing is is that God had a plan for him through this. He was going to be healed. He wasn't going to be left behind. He wasn't going to be ignored or forgotten. Stick to the plan, Paul. Do what it is you're called to do, and it's going to be impactful to people. In other words, he says, so that Christ would remain on him. How was it worded? So that Christ's power may rest on me. He says, wow, the power of Christ is way more important to me than my comfort. I'll continue after you, Lord. You say, Pastor, why did you say all this stuff? Because here's what we do. We have an opportunity to come to a God that is a healing God. He heals. Our God heals people. But I don't know who He's going to heal or how He's going to heal. Some battles we're walking in, we may have to just have the grace, the sustenance to continue to walk in that battle and to be a light to other people. Sometimes God wants us to do that. Then other times... He may heal us directly. Sometimes the healing is later. Everybody say yes. Yes Yes is always the answer when it comes to healing. Yes, you are healed. You will be healed. It is coming, child of God. I can't tell you if it's now. I can't tell you if it's later. And I can't tell you that God's going to quiet the storm you're walking in right now. But we can come to Him and we can ask. And He can minister to the hurts and wounds that are are carrying you around and you're carrying around with you. You don't have to walk with those. He can also touch our bodies physically and do the miraculous. I've seen him do it. I've experienced him doing it. And some of us may walk away saying, God, why didn't you do that? He may give you an answer because I'm showing myself strong in how you walk in this weakness. It's okay. I'm going to enable you through this. And that's when you go, okay, we got this. You say, Pastor, so what, what are we supposed to do? We're going to pray. My job isn't to know who knows what or who's doing what or who's going to be healed and who isn't going to be healed. My commandment is this in James 5. Is any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. And the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And then Jesus says, in John 14, verse 14, "You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it." The name of the God of our God. Is that he's a healing God? He's a God of mercy and grace. Jesus Christ is a perfect representation of that. And so today, there may be things in the room, things in here that you all are dealing with. We want to pray for you specifically. I see Matt's here. I didn't see you guys walk in. I didn't know he was with you this morning. But as I was speaking, I saw him hiding back there. We're gonna. I want you to come up too, buddy going to pray for you he's uh getting ready to be deployed don't know where yet but as a marine that always uh i want mom and dad to come too for some emotional stability and god just to work in you guys life listen he's gonna hedge that boy in man not a boy but i'm gonna call you a boy anyway just because i because i just feel authoritative right now <laughs> even though he's a trained killer and all i uh Appreciate Matt in the in the path that he's on and and what God's done in his life. So I do want you guys to come up and we're gonna gather around and pray. You know what? Yeah, just come up and we're gonna pray for all three of you. Is anybody else in here say, Pastor, I've got some stuff that I would love to just pray through with you this morning? Is there anybody else dealing with some physical things or emotional, whatever? It doesn't matter. All we're gonna ask you is just to come up. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Devin lead us in some music. And if there's somebody in your row that needs out, just stand up and let them out. And uh, anybody that would be willing to come up and gather around folks when they get up here, our prayer partners especially, and we're just going to come through and anoint them with, with oil uh, and, and pray for them and believe God to do a work and to meet that need. Amen? The rest of it's up to him. But come expecting because he is able and he does want to maintain who he said he is. He's not a man that he should lie. And if he's a healing God, he's gonna heal, Amen? Amen. So as Devin leads, won't you all just go ahead and start making your way up? We won't pray with you today.